Welcome to Salem Happenings, a show where we discuss the issues that you're all talking about around the city. Joining us today is the full cast of regulars from Salem State University, retired academic administrator Gwendolyn Rosemond and media communication professor Rebecca Haynes. Forms are Salem art planner Deborah Greel, Will Dowd of the Salem Gazette, myself, Dustin Luca of the Salem News. We're also joined behind the scenes by Alan Hanscom, a producer from SATV, who's kind of helping us pull this all together in this new kind of virtual world we're in. Uh, so this is a bit of an interesting moment for all of us. We originally planned our third episode for late March and even held a meeting to go over the ideas for it before this moment of global trauma kind of derailed all of our lives. So today we're recording as we normally would, through though we're all in separate places to produce a show talking about current events, which is a little more difficult given that events have effectively been curtailed indefinitely. So today uh, we wanted to focus not on what's happening in Salem, but how Salem is responding. We wanted to show how the so-named City of Peace is answering the overnight loss of self by now striving to become the City of Perseverance. And honestly, there really isn't a better place to do that than really to look at Salem together. Um, so Will, did you want to take over? Yeah, sure. So uh, when the city was anticipating that uh, COVID was going to be a really big deal, they, just, they set out to start Salem together, which the mayor announced on March 18th. And uh, it's many things. Salem Together is many things. It's a partnership among uh, the city, the non nonprofits, community-based organizations. Um, and based, so this consortium just connects people in need um, during COVID, the COVID pandemic to resources that they might have. It's also a volunteer recruitment consortium. Um, and it's also one-stop kind of website that everyone can go to to find um, information about ongoing sort of the COVID response for this for the city. And then it's also a portal for people to uh, volunteer and also uh, request help. And after the mayor's and after the um, big announcement about it, hundreds of people started to, um, uh, you know, sort of re to step up and volunteer with it. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's been a bit of great, like, I mean, I, they basically gotten like a legion of volunteers to help, you know, do everything from grocery shopping for seniors or just calling them and checking in on them. Um, they also deliver meals on wheels. I think, yeah, they, they um, so it's, it's just been, um, a great outpouring of help, I guess, for people, um, throughout the whole city, um, during this time. Yeah, and I know that there's, I mean, especially given how things have kind of, everything's been thrown off. Childcare was an issue once the schools went offline and meals. I know I was actually texting with uh, Liz Polly Wettengel over at the Salem Public School District today, and I actually asked her, you know, how are we looking at with meals and things like that? And she had initially said um, she's getting the numbers, and she was at more than 70,000 right now with expected to be at 75 at the end of the week. And then she said, oh, wait. I may have only been looking at the lunch tab and then got back to me 140,000 meals have been sold out by the Salem public school system throughout this. I mean, so, I mean, what do you guys think about all this? Just kind of what the city was able to pull together overnight. I think it's really, I think it's really a testament to um, the values of the Salem public school district that the 
priority after the closure was not just educating the children, but also ensuring that they continue to be fed, right? So many children in the district rely on the public schools for their main meals of the day. And I know a lot of folks were really worried in my circles about, well, okay, how are these kids going to continue being fed if they're at home with their families and maybe don't necessarily have all the resources that they would have when they're at school. So I, I just, you know, really hats off to the district for organizing so quickly and doing such a great job of getting food to all the families in the district. Mm -hmm. I also really loved the way that it was so non-judgmental. All the messages were, just come, just be there. Just, mm -hmm. we are here, come, and that's it. And I think that says a lot about Salem as well. You know, and I think that's an important message to get out to everyone because as we go through this, more and more people that might not have thought that they may have needed that extra are going to sure. need that extra. I think from One of the, the outside, it looked so seamless. And you know that there were ups and downs and panics and, oh, my God, and what are we going to do? Because if you're in the middle of something, that's what you see. From the outside, it was like, come and eat, and people came. So, you know, really, it's, it was an amazing response to something that people did not imagine happening. Yeah. And um, one, one more thing that I want to add about this is that there's a spreadsheet that's sent out every week on by Emily Ullman, um, and she's with the uh, she's with the Salem Public Schools, and it's just amazing how they've approached this. You know, as being a former community organizer, I was in Americorps Vista, and one of the things that they always talked about was when you're helping communities, you ask them what they need rather than tell them what they need, and um, that's really empowering for people in Salem. I think that the, this whole approach is that it, it also gives people choice uh, because. Um, right now, their their options may be a little limited, you know. So I think that that's really a, a crucial part of this whole thing is that they're they're asking people what they want. Yeah. Yeah, and I know one of the things that people have really been kind of focusing on is this hope to kind of return to normal and things like that. And there's been a lot of talk lately about you know the drive-in movies that were so hot over the you know over last year from creative collective and things like that i know deb you've obviously got your you know pulse on the arts community just given you know your background and everything like that what have you been seeing in terms of trying to get the kind of the the cultural vibrancy of the city you know going again well i'm going to give a big shout out to creative collective because um john has really pulled together and his team uh the idea i actually took some notes about is, and he, uh, so they worked with dozens of creatives uh, to help them transition to uh, digital space. Understand not everybody really had a seamless idea how to do that. They produced over 100 streams over the past couple of months, uh, from live art making to musical performances to burlesque and drag, sort of something for everybody. The Arts Festival right now is going to go digital. So for the first time in 15 years, um, they, for an example, they've commissioned Betsy Miller. Uh, many people may know her as, as a premier dancer here in Salem. And they've commissioned her to do five dance groups to make original content for the weekend. So to have somebody like Creative Collective, to have someone like a John Andrews, who has been in Salem for the past eight years, bringing together his team, bringing together the creatives um, to, to create this digital world that we're all enjoying. I know that we can look online and we can find something all over the world, and, but to see something at home 
a friend that you can pop in and they're playing the piano has been like something I look forward to. Um, and also public art. So museums might be closed, but public art isn't. And one of the things there was an initiative with Claudia Parishev, you may remember her from Studio Phil Hole, who actually had put together a lot, lot of uh, different events for trying to think about what 289 uh, Derby was going to be. So she, working with Julie Barry, the public art planner and the public art commission, they actually put together Chalk Art Saturdays, or as Claudia likes to say, creating in space and not necessarily together. So um, what they've done is uh, they've commissioned different artists. I think we're into our third week. The first one was Meyer Madison and uh, Matson. So uh, Alan, if you... Uh, you can certainly put up that screen about them. The first one was at the public library. Um, then they also had Anna Dugan, who has been, Anna's doing a lot right now. Uh, you'll see that she's, she has done, um, she's done a wonderful kind of uh, thanking all of the healthcare workers in her chalk. And she also did, and I think we're going to see this later, she also was commissioned to do the posters that, that remind people about social distancing and wearing a mask. So one of the things I'm just going to mention too is um, you can go down to that. That's that's uh, honest work. Um, I really love the idea that we're not letting art go during this time. That we're actually creating some opportunities. I know that Chalk Art Saturday also wants to get chalk into the hands of kids. We can all make our own art. So if you had chalk at home, folks, you know you can get right out there and do that. Um, so I think this program was for eight weeks. Oh, there we go. There's Maya. Um, so I think it's going to go on for another five. They're not letting you know in real time when it is. So if you can go on the Facebook page for Salem Public Art, you can, um, or, or you can go on their website, but then you can find out where this is happening and sort of revisit it, you know, even in the pictures. So I know Tia Cole was just out there. She was celebrating nature and she was doing some things with her family uh, that was going up to Mac Park to celebrate the farm that's happening up there. So, and as I said, I think Alan will probably share with you a map of El Punto Urban Art Museum in the point. Just want to point out one quick thing. Don't want to take too much time here. Going to mention about uh, the Punto Urban Art Museum. Many people might not know. If you're going down Congress Street, you're going to see a big cat, a very colorful cat. That's from Okuda. Okuda is probably one of the world's renowned public artists, and he's originally from Spain. Uh, so he came in with a, a whole bunch of other artists that I, I follow on Instagram, and I see their work. And one of the things that I don't think we're quite appreciating is really the level of quality of this work that has been brought to a neighborhood in Salem. So if you've been in Boston, if you've been to the Seaport District, you've seen Okuda's work, very colorful. Um, he's also collected by some major, major, uh, you know, musicians. So take the opportunity to walk around, see the art, be respectful of the idea you're in a neighborhood, make sure you have your mask on, make sure you social distance, but it's all out there for you to see. You can even ride by in your car. If you haven't seen it, please go and take a little bit of time, bring your family with you. One, oh, sorry, one quick thing, drive-in. Dr. John Anders, don't have any details yet, so you're going to have to follow Creative Collective. So sometime in June, but stay tuned. 
He says it's coming. What do you guys think about all this? I think it's exciting. I really think it's exciting. And it's an opportunity (coughs) to, to experience some things and to experience some folks' work that ordinarily under different circumstances just wouldn't be out there. Yeah. Uh, people would not say, let's go down to, to the point and look at the artwork, drive through it all the time. But now it's like, come and look, prepare yourself, wear your mask, come and see it. So all of these things in the upcoming drive-in theaters are opportunities that would not have been there. I agree, Gwen. I, and I also want to take a shout out to, you know, Julie Berry, the public art planner. We have a public art planner in the city of Salem. I was the first, Kate McKinney the second, and now. So they're paying attention. It's important because we have to take care of our spirit and our soul, too. You know, so I, I, I just applaud the city. I applaud the mayor, the planning department for still making this a priority. Yeah, I think, I think art provides hope and inspiration in a time like this. That's something that we certainly all need more of. Um, and also, I think about the families that are looking for things to do that are not, you know, going to put them in contact with others. Um, and the ability for families to just go for a walk in Salem and see all of this wonderful public art and say, you know, today let's go to this location or, hey, how about we check out that in a way that's safe and healthy, but getting you active and moving it's just such a great service to the community. Yeah, and I know actually that might even be a great kind of transition um, because I know one, um, you know, Salem State's had a bit of news in the world of arts before COVID-19 started with this whole thing. Did you want to, you know, jump in here and talk about the Carnegie classification? Oh, sure. I would be happy to. Um, although I have to be clear, that's not exclusively an arts category. Um, yeah, our, the episode that we had intended to film in March, um, we had planned a nice segment that we, we can't do the way originally intended, but would like to share with our viewers anyhow. Um, earlier this year, Salem State was very honored to receive a Carnegie classification called the Carnegie Community Engagement Classification. Now, there are 5,300 colleges and universities in the United States, and Salem State is one of only 361 colleges and universities nationwide that have been designated in this category. And one of the things I think is really special about this designation is that the community engagement classification signals the strong positive relationship between the university and the community. Um, I asked our faculty fellow for civic engagement, Sarah Moore, who is a professor in the sociology department, for a little more information about what all that means. Um, And I'd like to share some of her words with you. Um, She explained that through an in-depth self-study that took place over the course of 18 months and engaged both campus and community partners, Salem State's application demonstrated its ongoing commitment to meaningful, equitable, and sustainable community partnerships. Um, Some of these campus community collaborations included an annual interdisciplinary spring break trip to Liberia, where students engage in service activities related to peace, food security, education, and health. But others are much closer to home. For example, the annual Let's Move Salem event that engages children and their families to promote healthy eating and active lifestyles. faculty and staff serving on dozens of boards and commissions in Salem and throughout the North Shore. 
the annual partnership with Salem's No Place for Hate Committee to organize an MLK vigil and Freedom March. Um, and for example, an ongoing collaboration with local emergency food providers to provide fresh, healthy food for our neighbors who are experiencing food insecurity. So the, the nature of this partnership really runs the gamut from arts to culture to all kinds of social service um, values. And it, it really is a nice thing, I think, for the city of Salem to know that their local public university has been recognized as being exceptional in this way. I think it's something to be proud of. You, really you, guys, you guys wanted to jump in and talk anything about yeah. that? Or? Sure. One of the things that I really enjoy every year that we cover the Salem Gazette is the first year experience. And it's, it's basically catered to uh, freshmen that are coming in and uh, sophomores kind of show the students around, the, the incoming freshmen around, and they the, the university partners with all different types of organizations on the North Shore. I'm going to say like some 70, and it's a day of service. And what's really cool is that they align where they serve with their majors. So they make connections with people like, you know, over at uh, Marblehead Little Theater, if the, if the students, I mean, Salem State has an exceptional theater program. So, you know, they, they basically match what students are doing with stuff. So instead of, you know, studying veterinary medicine, they'll, they'll go and maybe volunteer at like an animal shelter for a day. And I just think that that is so cool, just a great way to connect people to, um, you know, now they know someone in Salem, if, especially if they're from out of town. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth noting that um, our mayor and our chief of police and our state representative and our state senator are all graduates of Salem State University. And so many of our friends and neighbors are employees of the, I know my neighbor across the street, Elisa Castillo, is, uh, she volunteers for different things in the community. She's a great neighbor and she works there. So many people in our community are attached to this wonderful organization. Yeah. And you know, there's also another segue there because I know when you think about, and especially where you were talking with Carnegie, you know, food and things like that, one of the other areas that has been kind of struggling with all this is, you know, the restaurants and staff that work with them, bartenders, wait staff, and things like that. And there's a lot of college students in that kind of community. And I know, um, Rebecca, I didn't know if you wanted to take over here. There's been something going on that's been very near and dear to your heart there as well. Sure. Um, as, as someone who really values the number of small businesses we have in Salem, many of which are really excellent restaurants, just such high quality. They employ so many people from all walks of life. Um, so many folks have been concerned about how the people in that industry and the restaurants themselves will survive this period that is so tumultuous and so uncertain. Um, a lot of restaurants have shifted to doing different types of takeout possibilities, um, curbside pickup. Some places are even allowing people to add things on to orders that are, are basic groceries. You know, Ledger and Bambolina have both letting, been letting people get things like milk or masks. Mm -hmm from curb, curbside pickup from them. Um, but I was really impressed to see that the Behind You Emergency Fund, as of earlier this week, had mm. raised um, over $40,000 to support the local restaurant industry. And I just would love to share a little more information about that organization. Um, it was started in 1999 under a different name. 
and um, that was the Elizabeth Bacolds Memorial Fund, and it was to support individuals working in Salem-based restaurants as they went through different issues in life, such as medical treatments that required them to be out of work for a while. Um, in 2018, that became behind you with a mission of providing financial assistance to food service employees who are unable to work due to illness or injury, and the idea is having, having their backs during a time of uncertainty or need. So because it's a need-based emergency fund, they really launched a big campaign um, once they realized that this pandemic was not going to be resolved anytime soon. And um, they've been working very hard to expand its reach to include individuals that live and or work in Beverly, Lynn, Marblehead, Peabody, Salem, or Swampscott, and have done a really great job with this campaign. I, I just think the fact that so many people locally value that industry and the contributions of the folks who work in it and recognize that the economic insecurity that comes along with being in some of those roles is um, pretty significant. Coming together and, and raising more than $40,000 in just a few weeks to help support these small local businesses is one of those things that's so great about Salem. You know, they the community is behind their, their um, community members who own these businesses and work in these businesses, and it's really great to see that level of support. Actually, um, I was involved with that when it was Elizabeth Brookholz. Uh, it was actually started um, with student coffee because a little bit is, uh, the reason why is because um, the woman who it was named after um, did not have any health care. And so it was supposed to be able to help, uh, you know, service workers or people that work in restaurants to be able to afford a doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. um, it, did, it did sort of lay low for a while. We connected them to Cabot Money Management to be able to, you know, put the money. I think we raised $5,000 initially. And... Um, so unfortunately, you know, they didn't so it's it, keep it up as much as we had hoped. But it's great to hear um, the expansiveness of it. I know I donated, you know, being an ex-waitress, how important that is. And, and let's all give a shout out to that. And maybe others will want to continue, um, you know, donating to this fund. Anybody else want to add anything else to that? Well, I've heard restaurants giving like employees that they've had to lay off things that are in their refrigerators and just like, you know, giving all of their food that they've had left over just to, to them. I think it's just, it's great that, um, you know, that people are stepping up to help, you know, one of the, the hardest hit, you know, se sectors of the economy or, or industries in the economy. Um, and it just speaks volumes about Salem's character. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and one of the things that I certainly love about the organization, too, <clears throat> this is something I picked up on, you know, the first time I had to write a story about it, was th just the name behind you. Because when you work in a restaurant, I guess, and I've never done it myself, I've always been a retail idiot. Um, but one of the things that I've heard is, you know, behind you is when you say something to somebody as you're trying to pass them so they don't bump into you and knock something out of your hands or something like that. And now that this this phrase is kind of being used to generate money to help these people, it's almost kind of like they're saying, you know, this is a little bit of, you know, our world. This is one of the things that we see. And now you're going to help us get through this crisis, you know, so that we can return to that world at some point. So in this episode, we've talked about kind of the home-to-home -home effort that's making sure residents keep an eye on each other through together. We've got the resolve of public art 
you know, being seen in this time of isolation with the streams, with the chalk, to kind of show us that creative expression is alive and well. You know, we go to the restaurant community, lifting those of its own who with livelihood has been put on hold. And overall, there's, I feel like, a common thread here that, you know, could easily be lost in the headlines. And that's just how well Salem's actually doing. You know, 140,000 meals that were put out without any warning whatsoever, you know, thousands upon thousands of packets, you know, together's got, you know, volunteers that are kind of connecting everybody, making sure all the seniors taken care of, or as somebody who needs to get groceries, does one of us one store can actually still get those groceries. You know, the city is happening to use, you know, to riff on our title, but the city's happening quite well right now. And a lot of that is, I think, reflective of the efforts of the city government to keep things in operation. We've heard a lot about public officials and heard a lot from them about how there's no training for a situation like this before. I mean, Gwen, did you want to take over on this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, because none of these wonderful things that we're talking about can happen in a vacuum. Uh, there has to be uh, something that, and I'm going to use this word, leadership. There has to be something that sets a tone or a climate in which good things can happen. And I think we've seen that out of our city officials coming out of City Hall, coming out of the folks who are working with and for the city. Um, there was an article in the Lynn Item a, a little while ago. I love it when the neighbor newspaper says, hey, our neighbor Salem is doing this great stuff. <laughs> there was an article about um, recognizing, about Salem recognizing its own history through the Salem Fire through the Depression, through the World Wars, and having an attitude growing out of that history that says, okay, we are in this together. We got this. We have been here before. This is different, but we have been here and been through crisis before in Salem. And that's been the, the, the attitude, I think, the motivation that we see coming out of city government. Um, the response to the virus has really, from the city, has really been grounded in communication. That um, one has a sense that the city, city officers were already, before, the, before it became official, were already anticipating what would happen when and if, if and when, the virus became a reality when it came to our doorsteps. And since at least, I could trace it back to March 10th, at least March 10th, right up through yesterday, there have been over 50 announcements and updates and initiatives online on Salem.com related to the virus, related to the status of the city, related to what's happening in the city. So that on um, there's no reason for people to not know both the events, the things that are going on, the status of the virus, the things that affect us every day, the policies. They, that the sense of communication people need to know is grounded in City Hall. Um, I had to make a couple of phone calls to City Hall, which of course is closed and people are working from home. And the message says, you know, leave a message and we'll get back to you. And I'm like, you're right. And in both <laughs> cases, uh, they I got a call back the same day from someone working at home. I could hear the dog in the background. From someone <laughs> working at home with the information that, that I needed. Um, 
Many of the, some of the communication has involved personal phone calls from the mayor. Not, we're used to robocalls and um, from someone on the staff, from someone working in the office, but Kim Driscoll herself has made phone calls to the, the system that we can pick up and hear what's going on, what uh, things we need to do, what things are recommended. The, the information that's coming out of City Hall is all data-based. It's all science-based. So we know that we're getting facts. We know that we're getting real information grounded, not in mess, but in reality. And that's important to have so that when we share it, we're sharing actual data and not what we might imagine. Um, the mayor has been visible in terms of, you know, sharing the, the food program, uh, the arts program. She has the, the Mac Park Garden. Um, she has been there. So there's no sense that um, they may not be working out of City Hall, but they're certainly not buckered down someplace ignoring us, ignoring the city. So it's really, you know, you've heard about a lot of the initiatives, you've heard about a lot of things that are going on from the art to the restaurants to the drive-ins, but all of this happens in a context that says, we, we, we're not sure how we're doing this. We're pretty sure we got it. And it's okay to step forward and take initiative and to meet this thing head on. And that's what the city has done. It has met it head on. When uh, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. I happen to uh, know that John Andrews is also working with the mayor to look at parklets, uh, how can they expand outdoor dining? How can we do this in a really safe way? Um, I know that people, I, I've actually talked to people uh, in City Hall as well. I'm on some boards, licensing board, things like that. They're actually working harder from mm -hmm. home, putting in more hours mm -hmm. than they were in their regular work day. So uh, everyone's stepping up. It's just extraordinary and how quickly they did and how quickly they're le learning how to Zoom, how quickly they're learning how to get information to us. So it, it, it does start at the top. And also, I yes. you know, you know, the mayor's been in touch with all kinds of organizations to understand the PPP, um, the impact on the businesses. Let me just do one quick shout out. If you, if you want to support your favorite business, get a gift certificate. Hold off until December or next yeah. year. They need the money when you get back right away. So if you can hold off on that gift certificate, it'll be good for seven years. <laughs> but if they open up, take out your wallet. <laughs> so anyway. Um, and just speaking of people stepping up, I just wanted to, uh, we, we, when we were going over the, in the beginning, uh, we had mentioned, well, I failed to mention um, that, uh, that there's a, you know, just speaking of people stepping up, is uh, the Greenhouse School on Loring Avenue. Um, Dan Welch and his wife, Julia, have like really um, turned their whole entire school into, um, of them just basically turning the entire school into a sewing shop. And they've done, 750 masks and what's really funny is that they've they've kind of improved the design of the the, the mask as they've gone around and heard back from people that's how many they've done now they're actually like designing a better mask each time so um i just wanted to give them a shout out because um you know that's pretty laborious and you know they're kind of stepping up whenever they don't have kids to, to that are that are at their you know their, their school right now so um yeah wow 
So that is a wrap on this edition of Salem Happenings. We hope that in this time of uh, turbulence, we provide you with a little glimmer of sunshine to smile over. It's really scary what's going on out there right now, but really, though we're all apart, we're still all in this together. So let the service a reminder that everything's going to be okay. Thank you for joining us tonight. Stay in good health, and we'll see you next time things are happening in Salem.